Does anybody remember the the Raptors run from a few years ago? And as they got deeper into the playoffs, um, what they called Jurassic Park outside Scotia uh, Scotia Center Arena, um, all these all these Jurassic parks started popping up across the country, all the way in the West Coast and in the East Coast. And if you don't know what Jurassic Park is, they, the people would gather outside who didn't have tickets. And some say the atmosphere was even more electric outside with all the people just standing room only as they watched the game on the, on the big screen. And then all these mini Jurassic Parks started popping up during that Raptors run. And uh, we had one in Newmarket, just, just down the road a little bit. Oh, yeah? Nope. It, nope. I, Glenn has enough faith for all of us. Um, a couple thousand at least would show up to the finals, and the place was rocking. Did anybody go to, to watch the Raptors down, down at just, yeah, you did, Tim? It was great. We'd bring our lawn chairs, and there was this excitement in the air. There was this community that happened. Something about being gathered together for a cause, you know, rooting for the same thing, sharing it together. It's nothing like just watching it on TV. It was, it was, there's something about us gathered today for the greatest cause of all, uh, declaring that God is good, that Jesus is Lord, that neither life nor death, nor angels, nor powers, nor things to come, uh, no height, no depth, is able to separate us from the love of God, which is Christ Jesus, our Lord. And if you're just checking us out today and you wandered in and you heard the ruckus and you just wanted to check it out, um, I want you to hear one thing today. You are loved beyond anything you could imagine by the creator of the universe. He has a good plan for you. Um, He can give you hope if you're feeling hopeless today. So I, as I was thinking about basketball, this guy, you may have heard of him, LeBron James, anyone? Some call him the GOAT. Uh, in 2016, he led the Cleveland Cavs, uh, clawed their way back from a three-game-to-one deficit and won three in a row as they became NBA champs. And after the win... Their head coach, uh, Tyron Liu, referred to LeBron James, and, he, and he, he said this, great things happen to great people. And LeBron really was great. Like, he carried the team through the final three games. He averaged over 30 points and became the MVP. But here's the thing. Do great things really happen to great people? Because here's what the gospel of Jesus says. It says that great things happen to unworthy people, broken people, poor people, to ordinary people, to sinful people. And if you started attending our church and you you feel connected here or drawn here, I want to tell you it's only because of Jesus. Well, no, it's because the people are warm and friendly. No, it's Jesus in them that you are being drawn to. Well, no, actually it was the music. Nope, it was Jesus made palpable through the music. I mean, there's a lot 
better music out there. Glenn would be the first to say it, technically speaking. But when you see people crying through songs, there's something transcendent going on. Jesus says, and we sang about this morning, that he actually inhabits the praises of his people. He's in our worship. I mean, Harry Styles never promised that. But there's something about our worship that Jesus is, is in. And today I want to just quickly connect Jesus to this word gospel. Uh, you may have heard of the gospels. It's usually referring to the four accounts of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You've heard of this before? Yes? Good. And here's how Mark 1.1 begins. It says, this is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Or some translations say, this is the gospel of Jesus the Messiah, but it's the same word, uh, gospel. Uh, euangelion is is the original Greek word. You meaning good, and angelion meaning message. So it's a good message. It's good news. So this is a word you've heard before, and maybe even in some Christian circles, it's become a, a cliche. Everything is gospel this and gospel that. The gospel coalition and gospel music and gospel businessman association. And, and maybe it's become so ubiquitous that, that Christians are not even sure what the word means anymore. Not everything we do at, at a church is the gospel. Um, so let me, let me give you a few things that we mean when we talk about the gospel. And, and this is not an exhaustive list, but these are things that come to mind. Maybe it goes without saying, but when we talk about the gospel, we are talking about the story of Jesus. His story is good news. The life of Christ, the teaching of Christ, the stories of his miracles, his death, his sacrifice, his resurrection, all the things that he declared to be. And then they are found in these four biographies that we have of, of him in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, four truthful accounts from four different perspectives. And, and, Maybe you're checking out our church, you're kicking tires, as they say, and maybe you're investigating the claims of Jesus that we call Lord, our Savior, our leader, and we're so glad that you're here, that you're checking it out. You are so welcome here, and you're under no pressure to come to the same conclusions that we have come to. The fact that you are even listening says a lot about your openness um, to the claims of Jesus through his gospel and the testimony of our lives as well. I, I got an email from our website the other day, and <clears throat> here's what it said. He said, um, I'm not what you'd call religious, but I think I'm open to pursuing God. Do you think it would be okay if I came to your church? I, who knows, that person may even be sitting here right now, and if you are, a really special welcome to you. So I wrote back, and I was like, I think you may have found the right place, because I'm the pastor, and I'm not what you'd call religious, but I've been really trying to pursue God. And so we're kind of alike, you and I. So as Mark begins, the good news, the gospel is really all about the person of Jesus. In fact, um, Christian this morning, if you can explain your faith, faith to someone at work or a friend, 
and they track with you and they nod their head, but you have neglected to mention Jesus, what you have shared with them is not the gospel, okay? I'll put it this way. Christianity minus Christ equals religion. Christianity without the lifeblood, the vision, the love of the real Jesus is just a soulless, religious institution. We wouldn't go to all the trouble of setting this up, of, of lugging equipment and tents and sound for something as lame as religion. If, if church is just a glorified Facebook group, a Kiwanis club, a social group, folks, let's just pack it up right now. How boring. In fact, unless you are very careful, that life-changing Jesus encounter can kind of slowly fade into rituals and creeds and disciplines that were intended to solidify that encounter with Jesus, but could instead, instead take the place of Jesus. So to be perfectly honest, there are few things I can think of that would be as dull and boring in life as Christianity without the Christ. But the living, breathing, radiant, triumphant Christ, oh man, if you could, if you could bottle that, he is the most exciting person in the universe, bar none. But I'm speaking now of the real Christ, not the, not the shallow, anemic, insepid, Christian nationalist Jesus that sometimes gets promoted these days. If you keep reading the Gospel of Mark, and I, I really hope that you do, because it's a short, exciting book, there's no one like him. You, you need to know, Christians don't follow Christianity, they follow Christ. Christians don't shout from the rooftops, come to our program. What they shout from the mountaintops is, Jesus is alive, come to Christ, he'll change your life. Christians don't point people to, you know, core values. They point to the incarnated, crucified, resurrected, ascended, enthroned, exalted, triumphant, glorified, reigning Lord, Messiah, the King. I wish somebody was saying amen right now. The gospel is good news and it should feel like good news to those hearing it. I realize that people who are in denial or oblivious of their situation, maybe the gospel initially can feel like bad news. It's like if I came to you and I said, you know, I think I, I, I know a cure for your tumor. And you were like, I didn't know I had a tumor. Uh, you may not see our little interaction initially as good news. You know, my experience though has shown me that like, you don't need to harp on people. You don't need to nag people by telling them how bad they are. Most people already feel that. Show me one person who is 100% happy with herself. Show me one person who at their core isn't fighting insecurity or feeling incompetent in some way or not feeling pretty enough or manly enough or something. We all just feel 
insufficient in some ways. And so this is at the core of advertising. Advertising makes us feel like we'll, we'll never be enough. Um, if only we just had this or we bought that. And the gospel message, um, instead of starting with the depravity of man, the depravity of people, I think it starts with the goodness of God. Isn't that where scripture starts? With his goodness. So we don't need to guilt anyone into heaven. We don't need to scare anyone into heaven. If you have closed your ears to the loving pursuit of the Holy Spirit, um, nothing we can do to bully you into the kingdom of heaven. But here's my point. Part of what makes the good news, makes the gospel good, is that Jesus by his spirit is actually pursuing you today, knocking on the door of your heart. I, he's not waiting with his arms crossed and with this disappointed look on his face, like, mm, it's about time you showed up. It, he's chasing after you. That the God of the universe is pursuing you? How humbling is that? Uh, here's one of the reasons, the main reason why I hate religion Religion is our attempt to earn God's approval. Um, but here's what the gospel is. The gospel is an announcement of what God has already done to save us. Religion operates on this principle of if I obey, then I'll be accepted. And the gospel says I'm already accepted through Christ and therefore I, I gladly obey the gospel of Jesus is like no other religion. It, it says God has front-loaded your salvation as a gift. The gospel is good news about what God has already done, not what you have to do in order to achieve something. God has achieved it for you through his son, Jesus. So what we are trying to do is just proclaim this good news and say that, all are welcome, all are wanted in this kingdom of God. And all you're invited to do is, is believe. Believe that it's true and admit that you can't save yourself anymore and join in this celebration of salvation that you've received freely as opposed to some sort of striving or some checklist in order to obtain it. So yeah, there, there's, a, there's a part you play in all of this. It's a vulnerable part, in fact. When Jesus talks about the gospel in the first chapter of Mark, he condenses it down to this. It, it says, Jesus went into Galilee, verse 14, where he preached God's good news. He said, the time promised by God has come at last. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. The kingdom of God is in reach. It's just, it's right at your fingertips. You can almost take hold of it. That's his intro to the gospel, but he calls us to repent. Um, that is a fancy word, meaning to just change, change your mind, change your thinking. Repent and believe, turn and trust. Jesus is alive and well. He's at work in the world today. He's at work in your lives even now, whether you believe it or not. He is pouring out his love on Newmarket in 2022. Jesus talks a lot about this kingdom. Well, what is he talking about? 
the kingdom is sort of a shorthand for God's new way of living here on earth. It's the, it's the dream of God, if you will. It's the good life. Remember we sang, this is what living feels like. This is what living should feel like. That's the kingdom of God. It's not just like there and then, you know, pie in the sky. It's here and now. It's, it's, it's the new way of living. <clears throat> how, we, how we love our enemies as neighbors. How we treat our neighbors as we treat ourselves. How then we become part of this spiritual community that Jesus calls a family. And some of you thought you were joining a church. You found that you're actually joining a spiritual family. So if you just see the gospel as some sort of like ticket to heaven, ah, oh man, you're missing so much. Does that mean that you can just sort of go on being the same adulterer, racist, unjust, greedy person because the gospel doesn't require anything from you? That would be very antithetical to God's kingdom. It would be antithetical to what, how Jesus would be leading you. The prophet said that when the Messiah came, there would be a new reconciled relationship with God, a new reconciled relationship with your neighbor, the brokenness of our community would be transformed. And the Pharisees said, you know, that the, the Messiah, when the Messiah came, it would be the day that every Jew would obey the law perfectly for one day. And the revolutionaries said that if the whole nation would rise up in armed rebellion, the Messiah would come. And Jesus said, no, the way into my kingdom is just by my grace. In fact, I'm going to die for your sins to prove it's not through works. And in this new kingdom, there's a new order where everything is being transformed. The one who is last is actually first. The servant turns out to be the greatest. Women are equal with men. Gentiles are accepted by Jews. The rich accept the poor and vice versa. The gospel is not only what happens between us vertically, between me and God. It what happens horizontally, between me and my neighbor, between us in our, our broken selves and our broken community. So the gospel isn't just words, it's living out the reality of what Jesus taught. And if we live this out, our church becomes a little picture of what heaven looks like living out and modeling this new reality. And that's when we can really say, hey, we don't just come to church. We actually go and be the church. So if you think the gospel is just good news for people getting ready to die, oh, it turns out it is such good news for people who are finally ready to live. If you are Muslim, if you are Buddhist, if you are atheist, if you are none of the above, we want you to join us. We want you here. We're so glad that you're here. In fact, we want you to kind of keep us honest and see if we are actually practicing what we preach. So we invite you to do life with us. And, uh, and maybe you can ask, does the kingdom truly get lived out among you? 
do you guys really love each other like you say you do? So in closing, I just test this little social experiment called the church. And I'll just show you my cards. Our goal is to make Jesus so real, so compelling, that sometime from now, whether it's weeks or months or years, you will no longer identify as a tire kicker or a seeker or an atheist or none of the above, but as someone who sees Jesus as the center of everything, a true follower of the one true God. That's our desire. Uh, we may not succeed in that, but you need to know we'll be praying for you, praying for that. There was this really cheesy billboard that I saw in the States one time, and it said, <clears throat> eternity is hell without Jesus. Here's the truth. Every place is kind of hell without Jesus. Hawaii is hell without Jesus. The Ritz-Carlton is hell without Jesus. There is no hope in this life or in this world apart from Jesus. So I guess here's the question. What are you going to do about it? Aristotle said to his disciples, follow my teaching. And Buddha said to his disciples, follow my meditations. And Confucius said to his disciples, follow my sayings. And Muhammad said to his disciples, follow my noble pillars. You know what Jesus said to his disciples? Follow me. Follow me. Lord, would you help us even now to make the gospel beautiful and believable to a world that just needs hope today. May our neighbors be so glad that we're among them. Help us to offer this meaningful glimpse of what the kingdom of God looks like because the gospel is true. And Jesus, I confess I don't always trust in my love for you, but I will always, always trust in your love for me. Thank you that our salvation is entirely dependent upon your grace and truth and power of your salvation. Salvation is not just about going to heaven when we die. It's about becoming like you, Jesus, being transformed into your likeness. And we praise you for making us part of this broken yet beloved bride. Thank you for calling us, for healing us, for saving us. Jesus, there's no greater friend of sinners than you. So may we be a place and a people where we actually would get criticized by the religious pharisaical types for all the doubters and questioners and broken sinners and cultural misfits who gather here. Jesus, right now, we would say that we want to just submit to you as our, our Lord and King. You are our wisdom and our righteousness and our holiness. You are our life. We boast in you plus nothing because there's nothing boastworthy in us. Amen. Amen. 
maybe even today you would say, I want to follow you, Jesus. You can, you can declare that even now, whether out loud or under your breath, and you will immediately be part of this family, this kingdom of God. Will you stand with me as we declare that this morning?